Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. We are presented today by Total Beverage. Right now, for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering an exclusive deal for BSN listeners on their website and app. Right now, you can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage website and app to get $10 off a $50 order or more for all your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. Of course, Total Beverage makes it super convenient. They can deliver all your favorite beer, wine, liquor, spirits right to your door anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure to check them out at Total Beverage. We're recording today from Sports Column here in downtown Denver, a couple blocks from Coors Field. If you guys are in the area, make sure to check these guys out. Tons of TVs, great beer, food, drinks, really whatever you could want. Downtown also, great location. Make sure to stop by if you're in the area looking to watch some sports and have some good food and some good drinks, too. Like I said, Friday edition of the program, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. We got some calls that we're going to get to shortly from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We got people calling in from all over the world, Christian, from Sweden to New Jersey to California to Australia. I love how many of you guys have been calling in to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline this season. So we'll get to the, some of those calls here in a moment. First, though, we got some news to go over. The news came down right as the Nuggets wrapped up shoot-around this morning at Pepsi Center, Friday morning here, before they're getting set to take on the Suns. Nikola Jokic suspended for one game without pay for his role in the altercation Wednesday night in Utah, leaving the bench as Mason Plumlee and Derek Favors were getting into it under the basket. I've got a lot of thoughts on this suspension. I might need a second to collect them, but I'm going to throw it over to you first. Surprised? Not surprised? What are your thoughts here on the suspension? What was your gut feeling when it came down? 
One of Michael Malone's favorite lines is, we're the Rodney Dangerfields of the NBA. We don't get no respect. As the season's gone on, I'm starting to feel like that's more and more the case. Um, I mean, I just don't see how you suspend Nikola Jokic for, for this game. Yeah, he took a couple steps by the letter of the law. I mean, it is a suspension, but there have been instances already this season when, when players have done something similar. Steph Curry's example, everyone pointed to on social media, and they didn't get suspended. I mean, Jokic did nothing to to egg on the fight. He just took a couple steps and then retreated. It's just kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, I don't know whether that's more egregious, Jokic getting suspended or Mason Plumlee getting fined $10,000 more than Derek Favors, who instigated this whole thing. Yeah, that's kind of the story within the story, right? Mason Plumlee somehow getting fined more than Derek Favors, who was the first one to push Plumlee there under the basket. I mean, that's ridiculous in its own right, but... I mean, the main thing here is Jokic getting the suspension. And I thought this was really setting up nicely for the league. They had some precedent here with the Steph Curry incident from the preseason. And immediately when I put this out on Twitter and put out the two pictures, the two screenshots side by side, showing that it's pretty much an identical incident to what happened to Curry in the preseason. Everybody gets up in my mentions. Oh, it was the preseason, blah, blah, blah. What, do you really want to suspend him for a preseason game? So so on and so forth. I mean, I don't think things change in the preseason. Like, if you're getting in a fight, if you punch somebody in the face, you're going to be suspended for as many games as you would if that happened in the regular season. Uh, the rules in that area don't change for a preseason game. So I thought the league had a clear-cut precedent about what would happen if You know, a player does obviously leave the bench like both Jokic and Curry did. Obviously took a couple steps towards the altercation like I feel like is just a natural reaction to what happens. Wasn't looking to get involved. Wasn't looking to get in the middle of it. Wasn't looking to rile anybody up. I thought there was a clear example of how they would mandate that, how they would regulate, I should say, that type of altercation. And Curry doesn't get suspended. And I thought that's what would happen uh, to Nikola Jokic. But no, sure enough, I think it's pretty clear. There's still a huge double standard in the league. And you're right. The Nuggets don't get any respect. And Nikola Jokic certainly doesn't. Yeah, this was handed down by Kiki Vandeway, the executive vice president of basketball operations for the NBA. You know, I'm wondering, did, did Tim Connolly say he was going to save a seat for Kiki Vandeway at Summer League and it slipped his mind and somebody else sat there? Did Nicole Jokic not hold open the door for Kiki Vandeway at NBA Summer League? I well, don't the Nuggets, understand. The Nuggets didn't exactly uh, hold open the door for Kiki Vandeway either. I mean, he <laughs> used to work here in Denver, in Pepsi Center in the Nuggets front office. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he certainly seems to come down on the Nuggets hard. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit crazy. I mean, if you think back to that fine Nicole Jokic received earlier this season, that was also handed down by Kiki Vandeweghe. Jokic said, you know, no homo, which, you know, obviously you can't be doing that. But there was a a similar incident, I guess, where Andrew Wiggins – called Dennis Schroeder gay and was not fine for that incident either. So Right. Andrew all- Wiggins apologized, said he meant no harm by it, and uh, the league was like, okay. You know, all you want is consistency. It's like officiating in a game. Right. So, I mean, Jokic gets the suspension here. And look, I mean, it's obvious there's still that double standard in the league, right? Curry doesn't get the suspension. Jokic does. We were talking about this with 
a couple people down at the arena today. Imagine what would happen if Nikola Jokic walked into Pepsi Center with a glass of wine in his hand. <laughs> Imagine for one moment what would happen if Jokic walked into an arena an hour and a half before a game with a glass of wine in his hand. He might have been suspended for that. But oh. no, LeBron James does that. No, it's... It's a cool little social media moment. It's a cool little Twitter thing, which it was. I, I don't think there should have been any repercussions for that. Uh, but you can only imagine how the league would have handled it and what the league would have thought of it if somebody like Nikola Jokic had done that. We would have got 750 words from Kiki Vandeweghe about how Jokic is a bad influence for the kids. Right. So it's pretty clear. There's an obvious double standard in the league, which I'm not going to say I was surprised about. I'm surprised he was suspended because, like I said, there was a clear precedent. It didn't seem like he was coming off the bench with intent. And that's what I said when we recorded this podcast after the Jazz game. There's a clear difference in my mind when you come off the bench looking to get right in the middle of an altercation like Raymond Felton and Dennis Schroeder did earlier this season for the Thunder. And sure enough, they were both suspended. You can go back and find the videotape of that. They come off the bench. They're right in the middle of the incident. They clearly should have been suspended for a game. And then there's what Curry and Jokic did, which is come off the bench like it's a natural reaction, like anybody would do, clearly with no intent of getting in the middle of something. And um, I think it just shows there, there's a clear double standard. If this is LeBron, if this is Curry, if this is Kevin Durant, if this is James Harden, there's no way they are suspended a game. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I tend to think that the NBA is too sensitive in general to these little dust-ups. I mean, if you look at a guy cross-eyed, you, you pretty much get a technical nowadays. And, you know, I guess I can understand why the league is like that. They, they never want to get into a situation where guys are, are running into the stands like the malice in the palace. But, you know, I thought, you know, if it was up to me and I was officiating the game, I would have just handed plumbly in favors double t's and moved on probably i don't even think i would have suspended him so i just think the nba goes a little overboard i mean emotions are going to run high it's it's professional sports it's competition these guys are modern day gladiators as Jokic said a couple weeks back yeah the reasoning the nba gives in the press release let me read this to you real quick quote Jokic's close proximity to the altercation and aggressive manner created the potential for further escalation of the situation. What? Are you kidding? What does that even mean? I don't know. He took four steps forward and didn't do anything else after that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Kiki was reading into his facial expressions. Is Kiki Vandeweghe the, the body language doctor of the NBA? He's the discipline czar of the NBA. But the NBA is such a transparent league, right? They put out a freaking two-minute report that throws their own referees under the bus, <laughs> right? Like they, somewhere in the league archives, they probably have a 48-minute report of all the calls every referee's ever missed, right? The refs are like out here answering questions from fans <laughs> right. on Twitter. Right. The NBA has no problem being super transparent. It's honestly one of the best aspects of the league, how transparent they are, how open they are, how they're willing to work with the media, how upfront the players are, how out there the players are, and whatnot. It's one of the best aspects of the league. They gotta be more transparent on stuff like this, though. They can't release a quote out of a press release that says Jokic's close proximity to the altercation and aggressive manner created the potential for further escalation of the situation, and just call it that. There's gotta be some more reasoning. You know, there's gotta be a bit of an explanation as to why Steph Curry doesn't get suspended for a game. 
Jokic does get suspended. There's got to be more here. Yeah, I mean, it, it just sounds like he's saying Nikola Jokic, a big, tall Serbian man, I thought he was going to do something worse than he actually did. Like I said, if this is any other superstar, I have a hard time imagining uh, him getting suspended. I mean, it goes back to, like you mentioned, the comments after the Memphis game. I, I'm not sure how he can get fined publicly, might I add, for that. And Andrew Wiggins can get off scotch-free calling Dennis Schroeder gay. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, I mean, I mean, homophobia obviously can't be tolerated, but it, it was curious to see. I mean, there just can't be a double standard. There, there's got to be consistency and, and something like that, too. I mean... I guess a fine is, is, you know, a fine is acceptable if everybody's getting fine and you're also educating these guys on this too. I mean, Jokic is a guy whose second language is English, so yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I think the Jokic is probably pretty frustrated with the NBA with a couple of things that have happened this season, and I, I can't say that I blame him. And I'm um, also uh, I'm yet to see a camera angle from the Jazz bench, right? <laughs> you can't tell me nobody on Utah's bench came off sidelines after that play. Yet to see that angle, though, from the league. Still waiting on that. All right, let's hit a break real quick. Got some more thoughts on this incident from the other night in Utah. We'll also get to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, answer some fan questions. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on a Friday as the Nuggets get set to host the Phoenix Suns without Nikola Jokic. We're recording here from Sports Column, downtown Denver. Make sure to check these guys out if you're in the area. Great food, great drinks, tons of TVs as well. Maybe the underlying story from this Jokic suspension is that we're going to go another game without getting to see the starting lineup, which was what I was really looking forward to here against the Suns. Maybe the first time since the second game of the season that we would have seen Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap and Nicole Jokic in the starting lineup together. Obviously, Barton's been out for most of the year. Gary Harris has been in and out of the lineup. We haven't seen those five on the floor together since everybody's been healthy. Maybe that was going to come against Phoenix here tonight. I would have presumed it would have, but now with Jokic out of the lineup, it won't. I guess we'll have to go another game until we see that five, probably against Philly here on Saturday. What's your level of excitement like to see that? group of five because we haven't seen it since the second game of the year and we know how deadly they've been together yeah man i'm pumped but i'm also becoming increasingly convinced that we're never going to see it it's going to be like bigfoot or just a mythical creature we keep talking about it keep talking about it and something just keeps coming up um in all seriousness though i mean i guess we should see it saturday against the sixers who will be without Embiid and jimmy butler 
um, should be a, a good game for, for them to kind of get their feet wet, get, get familiar with one another. I'm pumped to see those guys. I mean, I, before the season, I wrote a column, you know, kind of predicting that the Nuggets would be top three in offensive efficiency. You know, if they'd had better health, I still think that would be the case. And I've still got some hopes that they can finish in the top three yeah. in offensive efficiency. They're, what, six right now? Yep. So I kind of compared to what those guys are going to do together to uh, one of my favorite bands, the Allman Brothers, uh, at Fillmore East, their live album. A lot of guys who do different things, but when they're together, they just make sweet music. Right, right. Just so unselfish. Nobody really cares who scores. That's why it works so well together. That lineup hasn't played since October 20th. In 111 minutes over the last two seasons, 65 minutes last year, and then the rest this year over those first two games of the year before Will Barton got hurt in the second half against Phoenix, that lineup outscored its opponent 288 to 206 in just 111 minutes. The net ratings that that lineup has posted over the last two years, 30.5 and 33.7. So an absolutely deadly lineup. It's probably the closest thing the Nuggets have to a death lineup when their best five players, I'd say, are out there on the floor at the same time. It's just incredible offensively, defensively too, and that probably brings us to our next point here. The Nuggets have been awful defensively here over the last month, month and a half, two months. A far cry from the top five defense they were at the beginning of the season. What are you seeing defensively? Is it as simple as, you know, we're not trying as hard as we were on the defensive end of the floor? Because that's what we were saying at the beginning of the season as one of the key reasons why this defense was playing so well. They're just trying. They're playing more attention to detail on the defensive end of the floor than they were last year. Is that the case? Is it schematic? What do you see in defensively? So the Nuggets are 46 games in. Um, in the first 23 games, opponents shot 34.5% on, on wide open threes. That's what the NBA defines is when a defender is six points feet away. In Denver's last 23 games, opponents are shooting 40% on wide open threes. So there's about a five percentage points difference between first half of what we've seen so far in the second half and wide open threes. I do think, you know, a considerable part of this defensive slide has to do with just that. I mean, luck. Uh, opponents are just making a lot more shots. I also think, you know, part of it is effort and attention to detail and you know I think it's natural that those things slip when your best two defenders miss considerable time I, I think Denver's best two defenders are Paul Millsap and Gary Harris so Denver just needs to I guess regain that edge and that hunger on the defensive end um, but part of this too is just something they can't control I mean opponents are just making shots I thought there were a lot of concerning things in that Utah game to be honest for sure Den or Utah attempted 46 threes NBA.com classified 25 of them as wide open when the closest defender was at least six feet away. I clipped a bunch of them from the game, posted them on Twitter in a long thread, the ones that really stood out to me. I mean, there was one play where Denver had like three guys crash in on a guy driving to the hoop, a penetrator. Torrey Craig left Kyle Korver absolutely wide open in the left corner. I mean, I don't care if a guy's going in for like a wide open layup. You don't leave Kyle Korver wide open from the corner. I mean, that's just an absolute no-no. That's something you can't do. He's going to make that shot every time, except when he airballed it in the second half, which was a pretty funny miss. There were a lot of concerning things. Remember how Nicole Jokic was always playing up at the level of the ball in the pick and roll 
earlier in the season, he was dropping back an awful lot against Donovan Mitchell, who came into this game hitting around 40% of his threes over his last 10 games. He got tons of wide-open looks coming off that high ball screen where Jokic was sagging off them into the paint. He just stopped at the three-point line before Denver's defender could get around the screen, stopped at the top of the key, and just launched a wide-open three. So there were some concerning things, I thought, schematically. Um, I'm curious to see how they fix this. Yeah, and it was interesting that Utah game too. Jokic would drop, and Denver's help defenders would squeeze in really hard too. Yeah, bit, I mean they'd look like a bunch of grapes or something, like all trying to help inside and, and you know maybe try to prevent Rudy Gobert getting the ball on a lob or whatever. I mean, if if Jokic is gonna stay down and not be aggressive in the pick and roll, it seems like to me that Denver's help guys shouldn't be that hard on the help line. Like you shouldn't just be able to kick it over to the corner and get a wide open three if Jokic is not going to be aggressive. I mean, if he's getting up there and jumping those pick and rolls, that's another thing where you want a lot of help protecting him. So it was weird. They gave up just so many wide open looks from three. Um, I mean, they're giving up a lot of those lately. And yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, they need to they need to you know kind of regain whatever mojo they had at the beginning of the season. I don't know if that was just a one-game thing where Jokic was dropping or what, but it'll be interesting to see how you know Nuggets have him playing pick-and-rolls from now on. Well, it's interesting because the offense has been hitting on all cylinders lately, right? And that's how they've been winning games in a similar fashion to how they were winning games last year. For the better part of the last month and a half, two months, they've been the offensive and defensive profile that they were last year really good on offense bad on defense so it's scary to think they could fall back into that trap Monte Morris said something pretty interesting this morning at shoot around which kind of falls in line with something Michael Malone has said over the past two weeks earlier in the season when guy shots weren't falling they were really digging in on the defensive end of the four they were really getting after it because They knew their shots weren't falling, and they had to win games, win possessions on the defensive end of the floor. And Monte Morris said this here Friday morning. Now that guys' shots are falling, some guys don't think they have to play as hard defensively, you know, because things are going well on the offensive end of the floor. So they've got to switch that mindset back to whatever it was at the beginning of the season. I don't care if their shots are falling. Like, good teams have that focus and mindset on both ends of the floor, not just one. At the beginning of the year, too, we, you know, we were talking about Paul Millsap as a potential defensive player of the year candidate. Then he went and broke his toe. It was a pretty tough break. It feels like Millsap hasn't been quite at the level he was at the beginning of the season earlier. And, you know, he's been good on defense, but I haven't seen that level I saw over the first 20, 25 games or whatever it was from him. Um, I mean, he's obviously such a crucial piece to this team. And I think, you know, he's even been, he's still been the best defender on this team, but. We haven't got, like, elite Millsap defense, I feel like, lately. Let's go over to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. We've got one question there about this game in Utah, how some of the minutes, particularly with Paul Millsap and Malik Beasley and Wancho and Torrey Craig were distributed. So let's get into that right now. Uh, My name is Chris from New Jersey, and just watching the game against the Jazz, um, I think there's a lot of things that are very uh, concerning where I see Torrey Craig played 38 minutes, and he actually out-combined them of Millsap and Wancho and Malik Beasley's minutes. He played more than those three combined when Malik Beasley's been playing out of his mind lately. And Torrey Craig, he plays hard, but 
he can't really buy a shot. So I just think this game, the playoffs are a while away, but it just didn't look good uh, from Malone uh, in this game. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Chris. Yeah, we addressed this a little on Thursday's show. Make sure to check that out if you want a larger discussion on it. But we'll talk about it again here. Yeah, Torrey Craig gets 38 minutes against the Jazz. Obviously, he was Denver's primary defender on Donovan Mitchell. He's been Denver's primary defender on a lot of the really good guards they've gone against this year. Sometimes I feel like he's done a really good job, like against Russell Westbrook. Sometimes I feel like he struggled, like he did against Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he made Donovan Mitchell work for his 35 points, but Donovan Mitchell still scored 35 points, hit 6 of 10 threes, shot 12 of 25 from the field. So it wasn't the hardest 35 of Mitchell's career, that's for sure. I feel like Torrey Craig played too much in this game, and I don't feel like Malik Beasley played nearly enough. Just eight minutes for Malik Beasley, a guy that started and played really well for you over the past seven or eight games. For him not even to play in the second half when Denver could have used his shooting, his floor spacing, not quite sure what was going on there. So I felt like the 38 minutes were a bit much for Craig. What did you kind of think of that? Well, Murray, Craig, uh, Harris, Millsap, and Jokic played 14 minutes together in this game. Nuggets got outscored by 14 points. I mean, that was pretty much the Nuggets undoing. Their their starting lineup just did not play very well when they were together out in the court. You know, there's more to that than just, you know, Torrey Craig. I thought Torrey Craig did some okay things in the hustle department. Jamal Murray missed a lot of shots in this game. Paul Millsap, uh, probably one of his worst games of the season. But there was, there was too much Craig and not enough Malik Beasley. Um, I mean, Malik Beasley averaging 14.5 points per game on 55% shooting in the month of January coming into this game. Mm-hmm. He only plays eight minutes, doesn't play at all in the second half. I mean, I just don't buy that, you know, Torrey Craig is that much better of a defender, and that's worth the trade-off for what you sacrifice on offense going from Beasley to Craig. There had to have been something else there. Like, I don't think Michael Malone looks at his rotation before the game and says, all right, I'm only going to play Malik eight minutes. I've only got eight to ten minutes penciled in for Malik Beasley this game. I feel like there had to have been something else going on there. I don't think he was hurt. Uh, I'm not really sure, but it just doesn't make any sense to only play him eight minutes and not even to play him in the second half. Michael Malone did have that comment where he said, what, I don't feel some of our guys were mentally ready to play this game when they came in. I don't know who he's referring to there, but it just seems weird that Beasley would only play eight minutes in this one. Yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if if you know there was something behind the scenes that happened. Um, asked publicly about it, Malone just said I was playing the guys who I thought would give us the best chance to win. Um, you know, if if there was something to happen, it's probably good that Malone didn't say anything or whatever. But yeah, it was it was really curious, man. I mean, I, Malik Beasley. I wouldn't even mind it if he was in the starting lineup against the Jazz, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell pretty much had his way with Torrey Craig. Uh, he, you know, Craig tried, but Mitchell's just a stud. You could have just used the three-point shooting. Torrey Craig's been really good on ball against a lot of guys. He still struggles mightily off the ball, which is a thing I've realized this year. You can be a really good on ball defender, but you can really struggle off ball still. There's a big difference between locking in a guy on the ball and having – the defensive awareness and presence of mind to be a really good team defender one or two passes away. There's only a handful of guys in this league who are really good at both, being a elite on-ball defender and an elite off-ball defender. And, you know, those are the Draymond Greens of the world. Those guys are few and far between. 
All right, let's hit another break here. We got a couple more questions to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline as we set up this game Friday night, Nuggets and Suns. We'll be right back. There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that, you know, I, I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have, I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right, right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Hello, this is Corey from Florida. Uh, thanks for all the hard work you guys do, putting out the podcast. Appreciate that uh, content coming out on a daily basis. But uh, two questions. When Isaiah Thomas comes back, whenever that is, could we use him similar to how we use Monte Morris and slide Jamal Murray to the two, Gary Harris to the three, or we'll have Will Barton in there and have them slide down a position? because we we don't have a real small forward anyway, without allowing Monte Morse to work with the backups, even if it's uh, 10 minutes or 8 minutes, 15 minutes a game, or however many Isaiah Thomas plays, we can maybe move him to that position so that um, maybe the defensive liability isn't so bad. He'll be with the starters. And um, second question, how many teams in the NBA have a player on their team that is better than Nikola Jokic? The dude's just amazing. He's going behind the back now in slow motion, and nobody can stop him. So, uh, yeah, again, I appreciate all the work you guys do. Go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Corey. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, man, it's it's still the cloud hanging over this team, even though we're approaching, what, the two-thirds mark of the season, and he's still not out here, not playing yet. How will they use him? I don't know. I really don't know. But like you said, um, there's probably going to have to be some weird lineups here. If they are going to play Isaiah Thomas, maybe they do play him with Monte Morris a little on that bench unit. Maybe he's out there with Monte Morris and Malik Beasley and Wancho and Mason Plumley, or Monte Morris and Isaiah Thomas and Malik Beasley and Trey Lyles and Mason Plumley. You know, I'm not sure. I think it's just kind of going to be a uh, gut reaction from Michael Malone whenever that happens. Uh, if that is later on in February, if that's in March, not really sure. I don't know. I, there's not a natural fit right now for Isaiah Thomas, right? There's no hole that the Nuggets have at backup point guard that you're just projecting him to fill. I think that's what makes it so tough. Yeah, I mean, Monte Morris has been one of the two or three best backup point guards in all of the NBA this year. So that's, that's why there's no hole. <laughs> um, I mean, the beauty of Jamal Murray is... 
you know, he's 6'3", 6'4", pretty strong guy. You can slide him over and ask him to guard twos and stretches. Monte Morris, I don't think, is quite big enough to do that, even for just bursts here or there. I mean, Monte Morris is, what, 6'1", 175, 180 pounds? I mean, he's listed at 6'3". Okay. More like 6'3 in shoes, though, for sure. He's pretty thin, too. Um, he's got a pretty small frame, so I'm skeptical of his ability to slide over and guard twos. But, you know, Isaiah Thomas, even if he does come back at that timeline, you know, Woj reported he was targeting, it's going to be 11 months since he played in an NBA game. Um, the timeline that <coughs> Isaiah is targeting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, 11 months for a guy to not have played in an NBA game, that, that's a long time. I don't think you can expect Isaiah to just come back and, and look anywhere close to 100%. Yeah, much less entering the entering the roster, entering the game, entering the rotation, the heat of a stretch run to the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. I assume if he does play, he'll play some with Jamal Murray. He'll play some with Monte Morris. Him playing with Jamal Murray could look good in some aspects, I think. Jamal's really good off ball. So I think he's going to play with probably everybody and anybody on this roster. There's going to be tons of combinations that they're going to use Isaiah Thomas in. I'm just going to wait to see it before I believe it, though, I think. All right, we got one more question here on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline from our guy, Boyan, in Sweden. So let's go there right now. Hi, guys. Boyan from Stockholm, Sweden here. Thanks again for a wicked show and all great coverage you do. Uh, got a slightly off-topic question, but still, um, since there's a couple of days off without any games. Uh, say one would like to visit Denver for a couple of days to watch the Nuggets live. Uh, could you please list, uh, except all the great basketball, what three things to do downtown or in town and top three things to do in the surroundings, like up in the mountains and so. Um, would be much appreciated to hear your uh, best things to do in Denver. Thanks again for a great show and go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Boyan. Yeah, if you come out here, man, that'd be uh, be awesome. You definitely should try to. If you do, definitely hit us up. Would love to grab a beer. That's probably the first thing I'd say. I don't know what the beer selection is like in Stockholm, but some people come to Denver for the beer. Tons of uh, local breweries. IPA capital of America here in downtown Denver. You can definitely find a good beer if you really want to. Yeah, Boyan. Um, you know, I like to go to Blake Street Tavern, uh, play some darts down in the basement. I like to come here to Sports Common, get a beer. As far as outdoor activities, I mean, it depends whether it's winter or summer. Um, I, you know, in summer, if you're feeling really ambitious, you can. Uh, well, do he's a coming out here for a Nuggets game, so oh, probably for a winter. Game. Well, <laughs> I went. Uh, I went ice skating at Evergreen Lake uh, last weekend with my girl. That was pretty fun. They got this big outdoor lake. This kind of surrounded by mountains, um, you know, pretty cheap to rent them. It's, it's pretty good winter activity. A couple places you definitely need to hit, boy, on. Blake Street Tavern, Sports Column. If you need any liquor, you got to go to Total Beverage. You can use the promo code BSN10 while you're there. Um, go up to Red Rocks. That's what I always tell people who come to Denver. It's like a 25-minute car ride, even in the winter, even if there's some snow on the ground. The views are incredible. It's a historic site. People come from all over the world to watch concerts at Red Rocks. Even if there's not a concert there, you can go and check it out. It's awesome. It's incredible. But, um, yeah, just give yourself some time to walk around the city. It's a really cool downtown area, I think. Uh, there are a lot of parks around. 
go on a bike ride down the Platte River. There's a lot of stuff to do in Denver. Go to El Taco de Mexico and get a Chili Rianos burrito. Yeah, it's good Mexican food here, despite what people say. Um, tons of places to eat. If you were coming in the summer, Rockies games are awesome. But if you're going to be out here for a Nuggets game, I'm not sure the Rockies will be playing. Um, and then if you want to go further into the mountains, there's world-class hiking in Boulder, up near the foothills, just awesome hiking, awesome views. Uh, so uh, there's certainly a lot to do. But, yeah, let me know if you do come out here. All right, I guess that pretty much wraps up today's show. Nuggets host the Suns tonight. No Nikola Jokic. I'm guessing Mason Plumlee gets the start. Maybe we'll see a Jared Vanderbilt. He's been uh, questionable here these last two games. Didn't play in Utah. Nuggets also called up their two-way guys, so we'll see if they play. Who are you looking forward to seeing tonight in Jokic's absence? I mean, Plum Dog Millionaire is obviously going to be in there uh, for probably in the starting lineup. I'm interested to see if the Plum Dog Millionaire comes out angry, find $10,000 more in Derek Favors, even though Favors instigated the fight. Maybe Plum Dog Millionaire has, I mean, he always plays with a chip on his shoulder, but maybe he has that extra chip on his shoulder yeah. tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Should be a big game from him going against the Suns' front line. Who's, the, who's starting for the Suns at center? DeAndre Ayton's not playing tonight? Dragon I have no idea, man. I mean, if it's Dragon Bender, I'd hammer the money line on the Nuggets, hammer what however many points the Nuggets are favored by. If it's Rashawn Holmes, I'd do the same. So we'll see. All right, I think that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for another great week of podcasts, guys. We'll be back with another episode on Monday. Talk to you then. Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236.